And so funny enough, I flew to Shanghai for a fight. My fight was, uh, the fight date was September 2, 2017. And one of my college buddies who wrestled with me, he actually lived in Australia. And so he, um, he would come to a lot of my fights over there in Asia and he went to this specific one. And, um, he sat down and he started telling me Bitcoin and I'm like, sweet. How do I buy some, <laughs> you know, like right away? Uh, you know, I had, I had been a Ron Paul fan for years. I had wrote him in for the yeah, presidential election a couple of times. Um, I've been a hard money advocate. So I, I had read about that. Uh, I knew about the issues of the federal reserve because I read his, you know, a couple of his books. And so as soon as, as soon as, my buddy, his name is Rye. As soon as Rye started talking about Bitcoin, it just clicked. You know, I was like, oh, wow, how do I get it on that? And I, now, obviously, I wish someone would have told me prior to then. And at that point, uh, I could buy, oh, I think it was like $4,000 a week that, of stuff that I was able to buy. And that was it on Coinbase. You know, and it took me a while. And then you got to sign up and you got to get approved and all this other stuff. And so, you know, I, I put quite a bit of money into it that fall of 2017. Um and unfortunately, I didn't put it all into Bitcoin. I put I, I, there was a bunch of shit coins that I bought, um, a handful of which went to zero. Um, and I watched the rise. I watched the fall. Uh, I sold nothing. I was in for the long haul because I, I just saw it as the future of money. Uh, now we're you know four ish year. We're, we're probably almost exactly four years later uh, to the day when I, I bought my first Bitcoins and. Uh, I still think it's the future of money. I'm more invested than ever. And uh, I love it. That's amazing. So you're like a full cycle hodler. <laughs> full, I'm, <laughs> I'm a full cycle four years now. Yeah. So I've been, I, and you know, honestly, uh, you know, 90% of my first journey was the the downside. Because I, you know, I got to watch the fun ride up in September, October, November, December. So, you know, I got four months of a fun ride. And then boom, right after December, it kind of starts crashing. And so most of the time I was watching was the downside, but I kept reading books and I probably read 10 or 12 Bitcoin books right now. I actually just, we just interviewed on my uh, Funky Crypto show, we just interviewed VJ who wrote this nice. book, the, Bill, the Bullish Coach of Bitcoin. Uh, that was a really fun interview. And so now, you know, I just kept reading on it. And then in 2019 in October, um, you know, I, I talked to my buddy, John Kim, who's, he, he's a Bitcoiner. He's also a Litecoin guy, which most people probably know him as. And, you know, I said, most, most of my audience doesn't know about Bitcoin. Let's start a Bitcoin podcast. Why, why not? You know? And, um, so we started a Bitcoin podcast and now we've been, what, that was October of 2019. So we've been rocking for like a year and a half. I think we've done close to a hundred shows now. We've got to interview most of the biggest names in, in the crypto space. So I want to talk about because your your uh, introduction to Bitcoin was interesting because you said you already recognized uh, problems with the Federal Reserve. Yeah, Can you talk more about that. What what problems did you see then that Bitcoin solves, and then maybe we can get into what you think it's doing now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess the the big one was that I, you know, I read Ron Paul stuff. And so, you know, he's an audit the Fed and end the Fed guy, right? I mean, I, I think I went to Ron Paul rally and should end the Fed, end the Fed. And there's just, there's just so many issues with the Federal Reserve. Uh, it, it's not transparent in any way, shape or form. And then as we've obviously seen probably more than ever in the last 
year and a half, they can just do whatever the hell they want. They can print as much money as they want. They can fully debase the currency. And most Americans don't recognize this um, because, you know, uh, uh, high level inflation hasn't happened for any of our lifetimes, really. You know, whereas if you're in Venezuela or a lot of other places, you recognize the, you know, the terrible effects of inflation. Um, you, you see those and it's, you know, it's an issue. And most Americans don't recognize that that's even a possibility at this point. I think they're probably going to start recognizing it in the, the course of the next six months to a year. I think we're going to see it probably happen here. Um, but uh, that's going to wreak a lot of bad effects. So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I, I was kind of already programmed to think that way from reading Ron Paul stuff. And when it was, you know, Michael Saylor, I think Michael Saylor's um, one of the things he says is like, well, who would you rather trust with your money, the politicians or the engineers? And like, that ain't even a question. <laughs> it's the engineers, obviously. And Bitcoin is engineered money. It's coming out uh, in a very specific manner. It's continuing to do so for the last 12 plus years. I don't trust the politicians. I think if you like could pick the most trustworthy profession, politician would be like just about as low down the list as you could get. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Well, well, that uh, is interesting. Like, so what do you see in your own profession or for your career? Obviously, you're not active MMA fighting anymore. But did you see uh, maybe Bitcoin or some of the lessons that you learned from all of those books? Is any of that stuff applicable to you as an athlete? I know for me, it kind of changed my mindset of, of work in general, getting into it. So did it affect your journey? Yeah, uh, no, I, I would say no on that. And But did it affect my mindset on life and savings and investing and how everything works? And the answer to that is absolutely. I actually just, so we just did that interview with VJ. And, uh, but one of the other books that came up in there, um, because VJ brought up how it kind of like changes your moral compass to a certain extent and how you think about money uh, is, is uh, thank God for Bitcoin by Jimmy Song. Um, and that kind of talks about the moral case for Bitcoin and why, why the, the monetary policy in America kind of, it's against the savers, right? I mean, in our, in our, what we really want out of our money is to be able to work hard, to be able to save our money. And then when we retire, our, our saved money is worth what it's worth, right? Or more. It's not worth less. And, you know, what VJ was talking about, and Jimmy talked about this also, is because we know the money is not going to hold this value, um, regular everyday people are forced to gamble on stocks and, and everything else because they know their money is not going to hold their value. And uh, so uh, I would just really recommend people read that. Thank God for Bitcoin. It's a moral case. And I think it has definitely changed the way I have thought about money, saving, and, and my future. So what's your what's your vision uh, for the upside of Bitcoin, like in terms of how will this affect society as a whole, apart from like the ability to save, I kind of see it as just a very foundational building block that we can build kind of a more honest, you talked about the problem with politicians, a more honest foundation. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, well, so, I mean, if we want to just go into other things, uh, the the ability to, and I was saying in the podcast I just, you know, just did, tell about how most people like, they like don't believe this. They like, you tell them that if they're not a Bitcoin, like, no way. It's that I can send money to anyone and my money is not confiscatable. I mean, well, I lost my, I lost my device in a boating accident. I have no access to it. I don't remember the password. How are you going to take my Bitcoin? 
You're not. You can't. You literally can't. I lost it. There's no access to it. You know? And listen, if I want to send money to you, I can send money to you directly on the Bitcoin network. And there is no government that can stop that transaction. And so, like, people don't understand that. And also, and, you know, like inflation, America hasn't really experienced a hard inflation. Um, uh, most Americans have not really had to deal with the issue of the government censoring their transactions um, and or send, sending money out. So, all, you know, also the show, and, and Charlie Lee's talked about this, but like Charlie Lee's dad wanted to leave China and he wanted to get his money out of China. He literally left China on a boat with gold taped to his body. And if they found him, they were going to kill him, you know, because th- there was no other way to send it. And, you know, right now with the bank system, it's like in a lot of countries, there's capital controls. You can't send your money out of the country and just, just decide to have a better life other places. Whereas Bitcoin, again, I can lose the physical device. But if I can remember my seed words, I can go buy a new device and I can restore my Bitcoin wallet whenever I get to the, to the new place. It is unconfiscatable. It is easily portable. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many really good cases for Bitcoin and the more and more authoritarian our governments become, um, and obviously some of them were already more authoritarian, but that you're watching, you're watching shit go down in 2021, like Australia, you know, like, good God, I didn't know they were authoritarian. Like, oh my gosh. Um, you're watching stuff like that happen. You're like, okay, I am, if I am a wise person and I'm paying attention, I am seeing more and more necessity of being able to free myself from the dictatorships that are around me. Right. And as a result, I mean, we've got plenty of cases happening now where it's just probably a better idea to take some responsibility for your own property. Um, in that well, that's, I mean, our own property, that's another thing. Most Americans don't realize like, okay, if a hundred people got their, their money stored at the bank down the street and all 100 go to get their money, their money is not there. Their money is, it's not there. They lend it out at a rate 20 to one. If you all want your money back, you're not getting your money back because it doesn't exist. It's not there. You know, whereas if I have my Bitcoin on my wallet, my wallet, my Bitcoin are in my wallet, right? That, that's where they are. They don't, there's no one else holding that for me. That is my personal responsibility to hold that Bitcoin, but I know it's there. I know there's nowhere else that it is. So I have the ability to hold my personal assets without anyone else. I can do it myself in a safe manner. So how long did it take you from when you got into Bitcoin to realize the benefits of self-custodying your wealth? Uh, I think my friend recommended that almost immediately. I, I, almost, I, was, I was in Shanghai, so I obviously didn't buy one in Shanghai, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but I think it was relatively quickly after, you know, he's like, as soon as you go home, get a tracer and then, you know, you can self-custody. So I, th- I think he was pretty wise to that. Um, you know, he did, I, I, I give him a hard time because, he got me started on Bitcoin, but he also told me to buy a bunch of shit coins that went to zero. So uh, I'm obviously thankful for his guidance in the beginning. So what are your thoughts on um, Bitcoin derivatives? Are you a futures guy? Do you, do you do options? Um, like, got you doing all that or not? <laughs> so I don't. We had Dan Held on the podcast. He introduced me to some of those. Uh, I got interested. I, I looked into it a little bit and then I decided not to do it, not to do any at all. Um, and I just, I, I, I buy and I hold and that's it. I don't trade. I don't speculate. I just buy and I hold and that that's all I've ever done. Um, because I, I think it's going to be the, the greatest store of value humans have ever created.
solid strategy. Um, how about uh, mining? You got any um, mining operations popping up anytime soon? <laughs> no, no, no mining. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't have, I don't, I feel like I didn't have a technical acumen in the beginning uh, for the mining or running a node. And I know some people say, hey, this is actually really, really easy to do. And just like, you know, I appreciate that other people are doing it. I just at that point didn't feel the need to get into it. That's not saying I'm never going to feel the need. That was just saying I didn't feel the need at that point in time. I oh, gotcha. Have you been yeah. following any of the the lightning projects? Are you or just uh, running a lightning node or a Bitcoin node at all? Is that something that that interests you on your radar? Um, I so I, I understand what the lightning network does. I think it's really valuable. I think it's great. Uh, I do not run a lightning node. Uh, if someone made a really good argument why I should, uh, I would probably go look into it. I haven't had anyone make that argument to me yet, but I'm open to the idea if it was, you know, if it's the right situation. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so that leads me to El Salvador. What are your thoughts? Are you gonna are you gonna go to Bitcoin Beach at some point or what? <laughs> uh, it's it's great. I mean, I you know, we needed someone to start, right? Someone always has to be first. Um, and I'm hoping that that you know that is a domino. And obviously, now we've seen Cuba last week. Uh, I believe we saw Paraguay kind of announce some stuff, and hopefully, the, the dominoes just keep falling. Um, and listen, I am hoping that we don't get to a point in this world where we need some type of Bitcoin Citadel and we all need to go to a singular place to ensure our freedoms are upheld. Uh, but hey, at least we have a couple of those places now if uh, if we need to. Yeah, there you go. So what does that what does that mean in terms of at home protecting some of our freedoms? Are you interested in um, this? infrastructure bill conversation the sort of rumblings of regulating bitcoin yeah in the house yeah i listened to our our, so our podcast co-host jason williams he's he's great he knows a lot more about this i listened to him talk about it a little bit um it's a little bit above my head i i kind of grasp the the larger nature of it um and I, I'm under the assumption right now that it, it will just get figured out. They're ob- obviously, we talked about politicians, they're, they're untrustworthy. And there's also a lot of them who are semi-incompetent. Um, but Bitcoin is, you know, it's getting to be a trillion dollar asset and they're, gonna, they're going to figure it out and they'll probably do right by it. That's not saying they're not going to F up at all in the interim, right? They might F up a couple of times, but they'll, they'll probably get it right. And if they don't, if they somehow don't get it right, then obviously a lot of the infrastructure will go to another country who is going to get it right. So someone's going to get it right. China obviously got it wrong. Uh, I hope America doesn't get it wrong because if they do, it's going to go somewhere else. Right. It, it's, I think what we've seen now, um, I, I really laugh because uh, before the China mining ban, you know, one of the big uh, things that people picked at was too much of the mining is centralized in China. It's not really decentralized because all the mining's over there. And then, China bans the mining and they legit ban, right? Legit. They've done it other times in history where it's not been legit, legitimately banned it. And we've seen this bounce back of hash rate, like, like a V-shaped recovery. Like it's like, boom, like that. And I think it speaks just a lot to the strength of the network of how fast that's bouncing back. Yeah. It's been amazing to watch. I mean, it really holds true that like <laughs> so far, every big attack on Bitcoin seems to just, make it stronger 
yes. we're kind of stealing like the value of other traditional assets that people ran to for safety from the US dollar. Yeah. And yeah. So I guess that leaves me, where do you see um where do you see the market going? Like do you have an end of your price prediction? Are you a charts guy at all? Uh I watch I watch a couple guys. You know, I, you know, smart people uh uh, I always feel like smart people, they don't have to be experts at everything. They can have like a basic understanding and then they just follow smarter people than themselves, right? And they, if they can recognize who's smarter than themselves, uh, then it will usually turn out pretty well. Um, so I always just say pretty much everyone that's smart that I follow says it's going to be uh, over six figures. Uh, so I'm going to go with over six figures. Uh, how much over? I'm not really sure, but that just that seems like that's what's going to happen. Um, man, I don't think there's anyone smart who's predicting less. It's <laughs> a good point. So yeah, I'm really fascinated. Like, not that I'm an expert, but I'm kind of what I'm fast. I, I love numbers and math. Um, the on-chain metric stuff that they're putting out to me is really fascinating. Now, I'm not. I'm not an expert. I haven't dug deep. But, you know, I follow uh, Will Clemente is one guy. Willie Wu is another guy. And just like the way that it, it is, it's a completely transparent system, essentially, right? And the way that that stuff can be tracked and they know who's buying, who's selling, all that stuff. It's just, it's a really fascinating thing. And that's, I mean, those, obviously those charts are all pointing to the fact that it's going to go up. Yeah. Do you... Does your hodling include smash buying when you see opportunities based on the news or do you just kind of dollar cost um, even look at that? Uh, so the, I smash bought March 14, 2020 uh, with a lot of stuff. I just said, hey, we're, we're never, ever going to get a deal as good as this. This is the best deal ever, right? So I bought a bunch of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, uh, so obviously I came into some money earlier this year when I had the boxing match. I bought quite a bit after that because it was just like and thankfully it had went down a little bit but I, I bought it at like 50 ish maybe a little bit under uh but right right before that right it was up to 65 now i think it's going to go above 65 and i'm not selling so i wouldn't really have lost any money but then you buy it at 50 and it goes on 30 you're like damn it why didn't i just you know why didn't the fight happen a couple weeks later or why didn't it crash up and i could have bought more bitcoin right um so i have smash bought a few times um and I, I dollar cost average a little bit, not you know, not a ton compared to what my total supply is. Yeah, so that 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 brings me to, um, do you prefer like if you had events or you know an athletic event, of speaking events in the future, would you prefer to get paid in U.S. dollars or Bitcoin? Because do you like to just have dry powder waiting around to smash by, or you? want to get your life kind of on a Bitcoin standard? Like where are you at with that? Yeah, I think the Bitcoin standard is hard because I, you know, I do have a lot of my net worth in Bitcoin um, and uh, even larger in some type of cryptocurrency. Um, and so it's like, well, I do still have everyday bills that I have to pay. So, uh, and then when I see the opportunity, I can buy more Bitcoin. So I'll tell you like on my podcast, uh, we've got paid in Bitcoin for the last year. And it's really cool, like, looking back at the transfers over the course of time of like what in dollar terms, what it was in Bitcoin, you know, like in the earlier months, you know, say so I think once they started like August of last year or something, it's like, well, Bitcoin was $9,000 or whatever. So in Bitcoin terms, what I you know, the dollar amount was the same. What I got paid that month in the dollar amount versus what I got paid in 
July of this year, same dollar amount, right? Uh, but in Bitcoin terms, it's significantly different. So that's kind of funny to watch. But so I, I do have taken some things in Bitcoin, but uh, I I would definitely, and if someone offered it to me like for a one-time thing, but as my main salary, I still need to get paid in dollars, unfortunately. Do you have any any um, books or things that you're following now or, or, or kind of resources you'd recommend to people who are getting into the space? Um, well, the two people I follow uh, that I really like on price action would be uh, Nicholas Merton on Data Dash. I follow him, and then I follow Scott Melker on Twitter. I, I really like uh, both of those guys. Um, and man, books. That's why I tell people it's like I don't want you to buy Bitcoin on my recommendation. I don't want that weight on my shoulders. And I think it's a good idea. I recommend you do it. I want you to read the damn books. So you buy it for your own purposes. Not not because I just, and then when it goes down, you say, Ben, you told me to buy Bitcoin. Shut up. I told you, no, I told you to read the damn books. So I told you to do. So, uh, man, there's a lot of good ones out right now. Bitcoin standards, where I would start with people. Uh, bullish case for Bitcoin. Easy read. Covers a lot of the questions. Thank God for Bitcoin. I really love that one. Uh, Bitcoin, hard money you can't F with. That's my co-host, Jason Williams. It's a really uh, engaging book. Uh, so, you know, I would, those are all like all four of those books. You could probably read, let's say like eight, eight to 10 hours of reading total, you know? And it's like, so eight to 10 hours of reading to change, to, to literally, I think, change your life, right? To change the way you think about money, to change the way you think about value. Freaking do it. Stop being lazy. Read the effing books. Definitely agree with you there. I hear you there. So do you actively, do you, uh, do you try to convert people in your life or just absolutely podcast and that's, you just know you go all in. No, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely try to convert people all the time. I, it's funny. I would say I like last year I had one person buy under the all time high of $20,000. I had one person who bought what I recommended right away in March when the, the crash happened, they got like a $4,500 Bitcoin or something to that effect ish. Um, but I had so many people buy after I hit the all time high. I had a lot of people buy, like, you know, they got excited, went past 20. I think they bought a lot of people bought it like 25 or 30. Um, but again, I don't, I don't want you to buy because I recommend you to buy. I, I want to try to open your eyes and then I want you to go do the reading and you to figure it out for you. Because for me, I understand why I'm buying Bitcoin. I get, I get it for myself. And if it went to zero, I would still think I did the right thing. You know, maybe there's some extraneous effects that made it go to zero. And I listen, I think it's like a 0.001% chance. It's still possible, um, but I would understand why I did it. I would understand why I spent all my money, and I want I want someone else who's buying it to understand that thing too. I want them to understand what they're getting into, and so that way, um, that way, when the price fluctuation do does happen, you don't get all scared. You don't sell because those those on on chain metrics charts that Willie Wu and Will Clementi I was talking about. <laughs> all the people who sold in the last drop down were all the new buyers because they didn't understand it. They got into it because they saw price go up. Price didn't go up. They sold. They lost their money. If they just hold on for long enough, there's no one, no one on planet Earth who has held on for four years. In my four-year anniversary, I think it's probably somewhere right around this date, maybe a, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later. I don't remember the exact like, how long it took me to get verified or whatever. Um, no one who's held on for four years has ever lost money. Not one person. Yeah. If, you held, if you've held it for four years, you have not lost money. Not one person ever who's bought a Bitcoin and held it for four years has lost money. So it sounds like you're a big advocate of kind of like your conviction determining your allocation. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I hear you there. So the real anniversary is how long has it been since you sold Bitcoin? I've never sold. Awesome. Ever. <laughs> I haven't sold <laughs> one. I haven't sold. I haven't sold point zero zero. I haven't sold a Satoshi ever. Amazing. Well, I don't know. I don't think most people can say that. That's that's awesome that you realize the value of it. Yes, sir. In the MMA world about fighters being underpaid. Um, mm-hmm. I used to be at Jackson Wink and I was a huge advocate there of getting fighters contracts that included Bitcoin and getting their, you know, because athletes are getting large chunks of money yeah. kind of infrequently and it's kind of overwhelming. You don't know what to do with all this money. And most of them have no education on the subject also. No financial education. So one, how do we fix that too? Like how can Bitcoin help facilitate that? Because I think it, it itself incentivizes good financial habits. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I, th- I think you just kind of nailed it right there is that once you, once you understand Bitcoin, it's going to give you a much better understanding of finance. It's going to give you much better understanding of what your future should look like. It's going to give you a much better understanding of saving. So it's going to do all those things for you. If you really read and you really understand, um, it's going to do those things for you. And, and most fighters, to your point, don't have a financial education. Uh, I mean, and it's, it's not just fighters. This is a lot of pro athletes, right? No financial education. The statistics on, on professional athletes going broke years after competing is very, very high. So I, I, you know, I think it's not good just for uh, fighters. I think it's good for all, all professional athletes. Oh, I think it's, shit, I think it's good for everybody. But yes, to your point, fighters and professional athletes are very specific that they need this bad. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, is there any last thoughts you have for the Bitcoin community or for people just getting in? Any last advice before we let you go here? No, I think that was uh, I think it was good. I think we talked about it all. Uh, Matt, I told you I missed Bitcoin Convention 2021. I'm really looking forward to 2022. I asked you the date. I already put it on my calendar. Uh, yeah. I really blew it this year, but I will be there next year. 